Bill Michael Show on the air, hour number three. Good discussion regarding the Milwaukee Brewers, giving you some statistical historical information in comparison to what they're doing this year. Trying to decide whether or not this team should be a buyer or a seller before it's all said and done. Uh, so welcome back to the program. Uh, again, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter, at Bill underscore Michaels. Get your voice heard there. You can always call the program. There's Instagram, The Bill Michaels Show. Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show as well. Subscribe for free on YouTube and on Twitch TV. That's simply Bill Michaels Show. And then email the program, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. Website is thebillmichaels.com, and you can download the app to WOZN, the Zone Madison app. Take us all over the place. And uh, you can also listen to us after the fact on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and Google Podcasts as well. Our buddy Rowdy sitting in today producing the program. So we were talking going into the top of the hour break, Rowdy, about Craig Council and whether or not he's going to come back next year as the manager. And you're saying that if he doesn't, this might be one of the best things for the Brewers organization and why. So first off, obviously, what do we know about Craig Council? Basically, everyone sells it to us that he's a, you know, like a top five manager in the game, right? He is the guy that bridges old school baseball with new school analytics, and he and he's the, one of the best ones out there at, you know, kind of uh, balancing the two. Well, my thought would be, why would this potentially be the best thing for the Brewers? Is you most like if he isn't that good, you find a guy that's better you know problem solved easy but if you do get a guy that's about average for a manager across the league and Craig Council really was that good it just shows you all the all the warts and everything wrong with this Brewers organization where it comes to lack of talent where they have not developed you know a a good hitter from the farm since honestly Ryan Braun it, I mm-hmm. think if if Craig Council really does cover up as many warts as some people perceive him to, we'll know it right away with an average manager. And that'll just be a bad look for, you know, the organization moving forward saying, maybe you should actually spend some money. Maybe you should have actually right. went and bought because, you know, we had a really good manager and he got the most out of everybody. And you know what? We were one game away from the World Series in 2018. We had good teams in 19... 21, 22, you know, blah, 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 and we right. sold in 22. I think it could be a good thing because I think you have to hit rock bottom before you can uh, really build up, and it, it seems like the Brewers only want to be a middling team. That's uh, what the Cubs did a few years ago when Theo Epstein took over, and they took that thing from toiling away at 75 wins, 78 wins, and then they took it down to 105 to 110 losses. And then they started drafting extremely well. And I, I go back to when Theo Epstein wrapped his arms around the organization. He brought in every scout from every part of the country, every part of the world, brought them all in and said, philosophically, this is what we're doing and who we're looking for. And kind of in the same sense, like the movie Major League, when she hands out the paper and say, go after these guys, this is what we're looking for. Uh, only not, you know, crossing guys off because they're dead. But it was kind of like getting everybody under the same roof and saying, this is what we're doing. This is the way we're, direction we're going to go. And philosophically speaking, this is the way it's going to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I would agree that if the Brewers have been, if, if Craig Council using the analytics and the way he manages and the personality he has and being the personable guy in the clubhouse and such, if that is, if he has elevated this team to get everything that he can out of them, 
and the Brewers go in a down direction once Craig Council leaves, that is an incredible indictment, not only of just the general manager. That's an, that's an incredible indictment of everything, scouting department and the way they bring guys along, everything. Everything in the organization. And that's why I think it could be. Find hitters. Yeah, I think that could be the best case scenario for the Brewers where fans are just so turned off that they actually have to try and win or actually change something up. And then to your point, uh, you remember when the Astros were really good in the early to mid 2000s when they had like Bagwell, BGO, but it was like Clemens yeah, and right. Pettit and Oswald? Remember mm-hmm. when they got rid of all those guys and they traded off everybody like the Lance Berkmans and Carlos Lees? And they just sucked every year, mm-hmm. like a right. hundred plus losses for like five to seven seasons. Well, that worked mm-hmm. out pretty well for them. Now the Astros, for the last five to seven years, after sucking for five to seven years, have been pretty darn good. How quickly? I remember when Doug Melvin began with Carlos Gomez, and he he made the trade with Houston. Oddly enough, and David Stearns had a had a hand in that when they made the trade to get rid of Carlos Gomez and said, "This is the beginning. We're going to tear it down." Then David Stearns comes in and says, yeah, we're going to be transparent. We're going to take our lumps for a couple of years, going to build it back up. And the the thought process was it's five years, six years, seven years before this thing's going to be back and good. And then within three years, it was pretty good. And they had a transparency to it. We all knew what was going on. We could see the young guys start to come up through the system. We were getting updates every day. Hell, I remember doing farm reports all the time, down on the farm reports all the time about the young guys that they were starting to acquire. I don't think it's going to take five years to turn it around, but the only way it takes five years is if the people that are judging the talent aren't that damn good. You know what I mean? Well, I think five years would kind of be like the point where, uh, I don't know if this is working. We need to maybe replace right. some people. But, yeah, I, I could see giving it up to up to five years. If you get anything past that, it goes, well, this isn't a rebuild. You just build a terrible team. But, mm-hmm. uh, right. but yeah, overall, you think about what the Brewers did there, like – this Brewers team is kind of like that team. It's got a lot of guys with a lot of talent that you could sell right now, and you'd really recoup a lot in your minor league system, and that minor league system is all right as we we sit here. Now, And I know some of the guys have graduated off of their prospect list, but in the sense of things, Weimer's still a prospect. Mitchell's still a right. prospect, even though they've technically graduated. You have all those guys. You could add a ton by cor- uh, trading Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer, basically every guy that's, you know, done with uh, their contracts in 2024, Adamas, Telez, go right on down the list. It's a lot of guys. In theory, if you did that and you really did, uh, you know, cut this thing down and strip it down, you'll be bad. But guess what? You'll have a ton of prospects. You'll have a ton of money to spend. And in that 2018 year, what did they do? Not only did they have like the Shaws that were coming of age and they had the Orlando Arcias that were their prospects and, and certain guys like that with an all right pitching staff. Because remember, Woody was up in 2017. Burns right. was winning uh, pitcher of the year in the minor leagues. Like they had guys coming. Well, remember, they also put up some money and they traded for Christian Yelich. They uh, yeah. signed Lorenzo Kane to a huge deal, $80 million. Right. And I mean, back then that was a lot bigger than what $80 million in major league baseball is now, but they infused some money. They traded for Mike Moustakis. Like they actually right. did things. Think about after the 2018 season, 2019, Yasmani Grandal, yeah, they threw out a big, I think it was almost $17 million a year for that one year. Yeah. They did sign Moustakis for that one year. 
but they hardly added to that team in 2019. It was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's go get Ty Black and we'll, and we'll go grab Drew Pomeranz. Okay, well, what about some more offense? Like, yeah, they did do a couple moves, but since 2018, when have they really really made a huge splash move to get better? They haven't. It's, it, it's interesting. 2018 and 2019, the average batting age stepping to the plate was 28.9 years old. This year it's 27. Last year it was 29.1. They have not had uh, a average batting age stepping to the plate with such young guys since 2017 when they were 27.4 years of age. Uh, totality-wise, stepping to the plate when it comes to experience. And you look at some of the better years they've had, go back to 2008, even in 2008 when everybody started to come of age, it was 28.7 was the age. 28.8 was a couple of years prior to that. So they've had some success, but they've sprinkled in the veterans that have been able to kind of lift the younger guys. This year, they've gone with a lot of younger guys. And you, like you said, some of these guys, some of these younger guys are up but they're kind of taking their lumps. They got off to a fast start, and then they really cooled off. You look at a guy like you mentioned, Joey Weimer. Uh, between him, Garrett Mitchell, there was a couple of guys that really started to take off, and they just haven't been able to sustain that that level. Bill, do you ever think that uh, when Mark Ananasio came out and said, "Oh yeah, we were right on the edge of uh, you know nailing down a Juan Soto deal," we just you know we couldn't do it done. It, it wasn't about financials, though. Do you believe that at all? Not at all. Uh, because not, not a word. I believe they picked up the phone. I believe they talked to him. I believe they tried to get him obviously cheaper uh, or maybe got somebody to pay the, uh, the, the the salary. But I don't ever believe that they were definitely in on that. Like, don't get me wrong. I like prospects and I, I do like Joey Weimer. He was a guy that I actually pegged when they drafted him in 2020 as a guy that I really liked. We actually got him on the show and interviewed him from his parents' porch because he didn't know what the hell he was doing in 2020 because there was no <laughs> minor league baseball. Right. So, and, right. like, I like Weimer, but what if I told you Joey Weimer and Juan Soto are both 24 years old? Right. People people don't get Juan Soto's only 24. Dude hit the yeah. big leagues at 19 and was a man when he started in the big leagues at right. 19. He's been around for five, six years because – he was that young when he got there. Everyone thinks Juan Soto's like almost 30 years old. He's not. He's not even technically I, 25 yet. I would have paid him. And here's the other thing to remember. At the age of 20, uh, 28, 29, and 30 are when the hand-eye coordination meet up with the knowledge, and that's supposed to be when you're at your peak. He hasn't even come close to that yet. Yeah, to quote Dennis Reynolds from Always Sunny, I haven't begun to peak. Right. But, yeah, it's true. You look at all the hitters. 26 to 32 are their prime years. Juan Soto Mm -hmm. was an absolute man among boys when he was 19. And has he maybe not necessarily lived up to all of it? Yeah, but it's one particular season. We were talking about – we had someone say earlier in the morning show, you know what, I – I like how the Brewers do it. You know, we don't need to spend money because look at what happens to teams that spend money. And then I looked at Ebo and I said – how many World Series do the Brewers have? And he goes, well, zero. I go, how many do the Yankees have? I'd rather be the rich man than the poor man. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I'd rather have the money to spend, no doubt about it. What, what it's proven is that the money doesn't necessarily, since the 90s, it doesn't buy championships. Well, the thing you is, have- Bill, you can't give Omar Nervaez $7.5 million per year, and I don't think any Brewer right. fan would have, but that's a deal that the Mets threw out there. It's like, well, we got all this money. We might as well get right. this eh, catcher, and we'll, we'll yeah. overpay him. Yep. 
That's the thing is that you end up overpaying for the same talent that other teams have had that may not work, may not have uh, the the extended proven track record. They gave Marcana a two-year deal worth $13.5 million a year after one good season when he's like 30. Exactly. Or you're overpaying on the hope prospect for a guy that's only had one decent season. Or you're overpaying for pitchers whose track record has been stellar but you know at some point, once you pay that money out, they're going to they're fall off the cliff. It just happens. There's very few guys that sustain excellence year in and year out uh, in, in the pitching department. There's not many. And the last guy that did it was probably Roger Clemens, and we all know he had something going on. It, you just don't see that year after year. I mean, closers can. The sustainability of closers is about a three- to five-year window usually. And then they start to fall off before the rest of the league catches up with them and then just something happens. They don't have the same control and pinpoint placement or whatever. But or the same motion and movement. But yeah, it's or you overpay for the uh, for the name that's been around a while and then you ultimately bite the bullet. Bill, all I'm asking as a brewer fan and a guy that talks about the brewers is when you're in a window and you have some guys and you you know what, maybe the Maybe the payroll's at 130 million. Let's let's push it to 150. Maybe it was sitting there at 135 million, like it was in 2019. Let's push it to 150. We're not asking much, but maybe an extra 15, 20 million for one big bat that we know is going to be good. And with the pitching that they've had, just just a little bit extra money shelled out in years where you're good, because you yep. know what? We know we're going to take it on the chin when this team sucks, and we're going to watch 90s thing- baseball again. The other thing to remember is if by chance you win it and you don't have to keep that contract for the next season, if you give up a little bit extra to get there, if by chance you win it, the windfall marketability-wise and ratings-wise and payment-wise in, in local media goes up the following year, big time. You know what goes my favorite part year. about winning one would actually be? We wouldn't have to talk about 1982. That, that too. Uh, that I completely agree. I said that the other day. I don't know if you were listening, but I said that the other day. I said, what's really bad, and I don't knock. I love the 82 guys. I love Gorman. I love Robin. I love Paul. I just saw Jimmy Gantner when we were up in Rice Lake. I, all those guys, they're great to talk to. But that's the only point of reference via success. you got to keep going back to that. And that's that's disappointing, you know, that it's been that long that you gotta you got to go back to that. I mean, you know, I mean, like, I, I mean, Growing up in Cincinnati, I had 75 and 76 in the Big Red Machine, but at least then they bounced back, and in 1990, they won it again. They went wire to wire with Lou Pinella, and it was a different team and a different group of characters. But, God, it's just, you know, as a Brewers fan, I'm sure you love all the names I just reeled off and Gumby and company, but, man, you want you want new history. You're yeah. just desperate and aching for new history. Yeah, Molitor, yeah, they're all Hall of Famers. They're legends. It was a great team. They got second place. Can we finally actually cheer for a, a winner, a champion? Mm-hmm. It's right. like, yeah, they were good. We'll we'll never forget them. But I'd like to cheer for a winner. I'd like to, you know, cheer for insert this name and that name that actually got it done and won the whole effing thing. Right, one hundred percent agree. Let's do this. We're going to step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll pick up with the discussion. We got a lot of stuff to get to yet. So hang in there. This portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends over there at Epoxy Flooring Done Right. Now, Epoxy Flooring Done Right, Sean and the gang, they they are based here in Wisconsin. So, God forbid you do have any kind of a problem, you can get a hold of them. They're right here. They don't have to come from somewhere else, but they do a great job. They did a great job on my gym here at the house. They've done it for showrooms, car showrooms. They've done it for industrial. 
If you need to fix some of the flooring in your industrial areas, uh, big warehousing areas, go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. They've even done baseball stadiums. Epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Right here in our own backyard. Call Sean, 262-443-2852. 262-443-2852. Epoxyflooringdoneright.com. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. May I take your order? I'd like nine windows, please. Of course. All our products are custom made just for you. I'm hoping they'll match my home. Of course they can. Have it your way. Excuse me? We're talking about windows, right? Yes, we customize any decor. Our design options are virtually limitless, even more customized than your coffee. So you're like my personal barista for windows and doors. Exactly. And you couldn't have picked a better time because if you customize your order by August 31st, you can bundle and save big. Good deal. That was easy. Thank you. Drive through. Pella's premium wood windows and patio doors feature distinguished craftsmanship and nearly endless possibilities. Bundle and save when you customize your order by August 31st at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com. Tonight, it's easy. Uh, I got a, an event to go to a little bit later on, but uh, going to do a little grilling before I go. Robert's Specialty Meats. Did the ribs on a stick last night. I have the other three uh, left over. Going to do that tonight. Can't wait. Beverage in hand, some ribs, a little bit of the extra sauce from our guys at Burn Pit Barbecue, and I'm good to go. But uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever your holiday plans to tailgate or grill out are, it's Robert's Specialty Meats in Waukesha. And if you're coming from out of the area, I'm getting a lot of people that are coming from out of the area that are swinging by Robert's. They're finding Paul Roberts and Robert's Specialty Meats down in Waukesha before they go to the Brewers game. So if you're going to do a little tailgating, you want to head down there, grab the ribs on a stick. They do bacon-wrapped bacon uh, cream cheese jalapenos, uh, which are awesome. The small personal uh, Al Capone sausages. They have ribeyes, New York strips. Awesome stuff. Just great stuff. Their own sauce, whatever it happens to be. Robert Special Meats, Waukesha, Sunset Drive in Waukesha. That is on Sunset Drive in Waukesha, and you can find them simply robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. Go ahead and get back to the phone calls. Let's go to Fred. Fred, welcome to the program, The Bill Michael Show. What's going on today, man? Bill, I would love that Fred on. He just dropped, though. Sorry, bud. Fred dropped. What about Bob and Eau Claire? Is he still here? I got some more bad news. Bob dropped. Sorry, bud. Oh, Bob dropped, too. That's terrible. That's terrible. Coming back to well, it's because Rowdy and I got into a discussion. So, do you? Uh, where do you come down, Evo? On the it would be better if uh, for the Brewers if Craig Council did walk away as the manager of the Brewers. That that is a pretty uh, take to think about from Rowdy right there. Well, I mean, Craig Council, I feel like he gets the most out of the Milwaukee Brewers. So I don't want to see them go to the doldrums uh, if Council leaves and they circle. If you got like a Ken Maka doing his thing. So right. I, I, I'm nervous about it. I read the report that the Brewers are giving Craig Council time to decide what he wants to do. 
I would prefer if council stays and then they interject some more money. I know as Rowdy was just talking about, which is my big bugaboo, like don't sell the best reliever in the game when you're, I don't know, winning a division and, I don't know, invest in a team as opposed to not. Like we were talking yeah. about Juan Soto this morning. Marco Danazio was saying that, you know, that Juan Soto was out there and he said the budget wasn't a problem. Like we had offers on the table. Like this money wasn't an issue. Well, then why'd you sell? Like then why didn't right. you do something? Right. No, I, I said that was the first time that I've ever looked at Mark, Mark Atanasio and thought, you're full of crap. Up until that point, he'd been pretty open, pretty amenable to talking and discussing details. And maybe we didn't know everything going on behind the scenes, but it never seemed like he was selling the team short. And last year on one and then doubling down by throwing David Stearns under the bus Saying, well, that's David, that's not me. Which it was like, no, that that's clearly you. Well, let me clearly ask you this. Because there's no way he would do that. Let me yeah, ask you this. Ahead. If the reports are out there are true that David Stearns is going to go be a, a New York Met after the season, and you get what? I mean, the Mets just spent the most amount of money ever in baseball. If David Stearns goes out there and he helps with a bankroll, have the Mets kind of break this, we'll always be the Mets, the floundering at the end of the season kind of team, then what does that say to Mark Adonazio? Um,. It, I think two things. I think one, David obviously has had the New York pool to his heart uh, for the team that he grew up, you know, wanting to be a part of. But I also think that last year, like I said, last year when Mark Antanasio stepped to the forefront and kind of threw David Stearns under the bus, I think that was the beginning of the end because the message was clearly hypocritical. It w- it was it was it was two sided. Why are you getting? Re- get- the whole thing of getting rid of Josh Hader, first of all, they underestimated the impact that he had in the, in the clubhouse. But secondly, you don't even have anybody left from that. That was a money dump. So yeah, it was clear. You just wanted to get rid of the money. So why is Mark Antanasio out there facing the media saying, oh, no, we're in it. It's not about the money. Either one, he is a coward and just afraid to tell fans, no, it's about the money. I'm doing a money dump. And he could just say, hey, my business took a horrible hit during COVID. I've got to make some of that money back. I can't afford to pay all this money out, which is okay. At least it's transparent. You're not going to like to hear it, but it's transparent. But don't tell us one thing and do another. You know, that was the don't look at the left hand while the right hand is is, is patting you on the back, telling you what a great job you're doing. That, that was one of those moments. It's the first time I lost faith in Mark Antanasio. The first time. And I'm, you know, who knows if it's going to happen again, but. And that's maybe one of the reasons we haven't seen him and heard a lot from him as of late. Because normally he's around. Normally they're showing him, you know, he's got that headset as he sits in the front row and has his foot up on the on the railing and everything watching the game because he no longer has to worry about a foul, foul ball to the head. So normally he's sitting there and they're showing him. We haven't seen him. Haven't seen him at games. Nothing. Haven't seen him at all. So I, I agree. It was... It was it was not the best look, and I wonder at what point. Uh, and even Zabe says, "Hey, Bill, given the fact that the Brewers seem to do just enough to keep us interested, don't you believe that it's time to go all in to win, or all in to rebuild?" And that's a great question. If you believe you've got enough talent in the minor league system, you're just about ready to go. You believe that you've got some good pitchers. Now you're probably going to get rid of Corbin Burns, and that's not going all in. Then again, like I said, I would go all in with Corbin and say, hey, I'll give you four years, $130 bucks right now. Will you take it? See what happens. $140 bucks. Will he take it? And at least then he gets another bite at the apple. 
But I just think that uh, somebody's going to give him two hundred plus million dollars, and he's not going to pass up on those that extra sixty million bucks. You know what I mean? But at least then the Brewers would say we gave him a legitimate per year offer to keep him for a while longer as our pitcher, and that I would appreciate. But it's like the CC Sabathia deal. Yeah, they offered him a hundred million, but you weren't bidding against a hundred million bucks. You're bidding against one hundred twenty-five or 135 that was already offered by the Yankees, who then upped their own bid to close to 150. They, they never were in on that. that. That was, I mean, maybe in the beginning when they offered 100, and then the Yankees said, whatever. But that, that was one of those almost hollow messages to say, oh, we were in, but we were never in the discussion. That was never going to happen. Let's go back to the phones. Fred listening to us in Green Bay. Fred, how you doing, man? What's going on? Yeah, doing fine. Enjoy your discussion on baseball, Bill. Um, I enjoyed your discussion on the no-hitters, and there's two games I'd like to talk about, if I may. They're both sure. before your time, but they both have great significance. Number one is Don Larson's no-hitter in 1956. I don't know if you know a lot about that game, but we were in Air Force basic training on that day, and we took a lunch break, and the game was on in the tent. In the fourth inning, the sergeant says, okay, you guys, back to work. And we asked him if we could watch one more inning because Larson was pitching a no-hitter. And he mm-hmm. was a baseball fan also, so he said, okay, I'll let you watch until he gives up a hit. So we were able to see the whole game, which was really exciting. The second game, uh, if, I, if I mentioned Harvey Haddock's, what would come to your mind? Um, not much. That's before my time. The Don Larson one I remember because that was back in '56. But wasn't that a World Series yeah. game? It was Game Four or maybe Game Five of the 1956 yeah. World right. Series, and boy, that was just uh, a dynamite game. And saw Magley pitch for the Dodgers. He only gave up five hits. And uh, like you said before, in a no-hitter, there's usually one or two key plays to keep the game alive. Right. And um, and Mickey caught a, a fly ball in left center field off of uh, Gil Hodges' bat that was labeled a double, but Mickey caught up with it. So that was really the only wall hit ball in the game. But mm-hmm. Larson had a no wind up uh, approach, which was really unusual. And he was not a great pitcher, but for that day, he was awesome. Anyway, Haddix went 12 innings, Bill, without giving up the base runner. No hits, no runs. Uh, nobody got on base for 12 innings in 1959. Mm. And uh, the, the Braves led off the 13th inning. Uh, the leadoff guy was Felix Mantia. Mantia. He was an infielder. I do remember he was Mantia. There. The next yeah. hitter is Eddie Matthews. Eddie's in the middle of nine consecutive seasons of 30-plus home runs. He was the preeminent home run hitter in the National League. And the manager's Fred Haney. puts the bun sign on, Bill. Mm-hmm. Here's Eddie Matthews, a dead pole hitter, a guy on first base, so that gives him a nice hole to shoot for, and they put right. the bunt sign on. So Eddie bunted him to second. The next hitter is Hank, and he gets walked intentionally, of course. So your two best hitters don't swing the bat. So for the people that love to bunt, and, and there's a lot of them out there, uh, I can see bunting for a base hit. But yeah. you give yourself up, you know, especially when you got your two best hitters up there, it makes no sense right. to me. Anyway, no, I get uh, it. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Anyway, Adcock took Haney off the hook by hitting a home run. But Aaron thought it was a ground rule double, bounced into the stands. So Hank touched second base, and he went to the dugout, and Adcock passed him on the bases. 
and, and Adcock was called out. So Adcock's home run was changed to a double, and the score was changed from three to nothing to one to nothing. Yeah, I, I vaguely re- I remember the Don Larson one because I've seen video of it time and again. That yeah. uh, the Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers, but the other ones, boy, that's a that's a little walk down uh, memory lane and history lane. So appreciate the phone uh, call it, as it, always, Brett. Yeah, it was fabulous. Anyway, the deck gave up the deck gave up twelve hits for the Braves, but no runs. Okay. So, Both hits for the no for runs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Appreciate it, man. Ahead. Talk to you soon. Good stuff. There's a lot of nuances like that in Major League Baseball. That's why baseball is such a grand game. Very cool. Um, let's do this. We'll step out because we're a little bit late for a break. We'll step out, take a quick break, come back. we got a lot more to get to. One of the things that I wanted to tell you about before um, we went to break, that's our friends at uh, over there at Cruise Planners. Now, Kirk and the gang at Cruise Planners, they got a lot of stuff going on. They've got uh, trips coming up that are already coming up and being booked for, like, February. When it's cold, it's windy, it's nasty, and maybe you want to get away, they're doing it. They're taking deposits. They're financing some of these trips, some of these cruises as well to the all-inclusives. Call them, 262-344-0697. One of the other things to remember, you can also do a Valentine's cruise. Valentine's in February. Right after the Super Bowl, you get out of there. You head out, you're doing a Valentine's Day with that special somebody, maybe in a in a faraway, warm, tropical land. Our friends at Cruise Planners, 262-344-0697. Again, 262-344-0697. Cruise Planners, land and cruise vacations. Call our buddy Kirk, 262-344-0697. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I want to say thanks to our friends at Buzzard Billies on Pearl Street in La Crosse. I got a great note. From a listener who uh, stopped into Buzzer Billy's. I think he was the one that emailed me the other day and said, where do you go? And then asked me uh, for the uh, location for Buzzer Billy's, but said, uh, great experience, beer really cold, enjoyed it on a warmer day. And then he and his wife had a chance to go later that day upstairs to the Starlight Lounge Said both places were absolutely magnificent. So whenever you get a chance to uh, head out to La Crosse and you stop into Buzzer Billy's or the Starlight Lounge right there in that 1860s brick hotel-looking old building, Really cool on Pearl Street. Stop in or call David or Heather. David manages upstairs. Heather manages downstairs. 608-796-2277. 608-796-2277. Call them for events and space and such. And uh, I guarantee you we're going to see you out there probably during uh, Oktoberfest again this year. So looking forward to it. But that's our friends at Buzzer Billies. And thanks to them, big supporters of the motorcycle ride coming up again for Fisher House, Wisconsin on Sunday, September 3rd. So if you want to give us a shout, go ahead. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Pac fan says, I love Fred, the best and most knowledgeable baseball fan in the state of Wisconsin. Misses calls into a WNFL back in the day. There you go. Good stuff from Fred. I agree. Taking you back, walking you down memory lane, going to the Don Larson no-hitter, 1956. It was actually game five. Had to look it up during the break. It was game five of the World Series. He was playing for uh, New York, pitching for New York at the time. They were taking on the Brooklyn Dodgers, so good stuff. Um, I want to talk a little NFL 
and that's coming up. But uh, there was a, a discussion this morning on the NFL Network, and it was specifically about the NFC North. Who has the most to prove? And it just got me thinking. It's it's great conjecture. I feel like we should be discussing this in a bar with a bunch of pitchers of beer. But who has the most to prove? And it kind of goes along with what I was doing yesterday when I was talking about who has the most pressure in the NFL as a quarterback coming into this upcoming season. But who has the most to prove in the NFC North this year? And I think the easy answer right away is like Jordan Love. Well, Jordan Love has to prove that he can take over, that he was worthy of the Green Bay Packers getting rid of Aaron Rodgers and all the angst and the reason that they jumped up to get him and pick him in the first round, which started all of this drama and melee, right? But I I don't know if i go in that direction. I think, uh, I think Justin Fields has a lot to prove. I think Justin Fields really needs to show that he can be a pocket passer, not just an athletic runner, and that he can get the Bears some additional wins. Then there's Jared Goff. Jared Goff had a really good season last year. One, can he do it again? Can he run it back and prove it in that direction? Two, can he take Detroit to the postseason? Or is this going to be a year in which you look at Kirk Cousins and say, he's got to prove it. Last year, the offense was good. In one of the biggest moments against New York, he ended up throwing a couple of picks. He looked like Kirk Cousins. He only has one postseason win in his entire career. So coming into this season in the NFC North, who has the most to prove and why? Because you can look at all of those different reasons and say, yeah, there's, there's, you know, a lot of, how do I, how do I put this? There's a lot of, there's a lot of hope for all of these fan bases for so many different reasons. So who has the most to prove because of it? Because the Lions, I you know, I, the way I look at it with the Lions is the Lions last year really picked things up. Started playing, really, when they beat the Packers the first time, really picked things up. Started winning ballgames. Started believing. Started getting a little bit of swagger, remember. And then at the end of the season when they knocked, that was, their, that was their Super Bowl. They knocked off the Packers at Lambeau Field to knock the Packers out of the postseason. And they got a chance to give them kind of the last laugh to say, okay, we're that team, remember, that team. Going back to the words of Aaron Rodgers when they lost the first time over in Detroit, saying we shouldn't have lost to that team. As if they were some kind of nameless bad team that the Packers had no business losing to and they had no business kind of being on the same field as the Green Bay Packers. So though that team, those players, took offense to that, and rightfully so. And they came out guns a-blazing in that game, the last game of the season at Lambeau Field, and they knocked off the Green Bay Packers. That was their Super Bowl. They knew at that point in time they weren't going to the postseason. They had nothing to play for except for pride. And they came out and had more pride than the Green Bay Packers. So can the Lions, who are now in many prognostications, the favorite, can they prove that they are worthy of all of the hype, along with Jared Goff, that he can repeat what he did last year after they got rid of Hawkinson, remember, and he started throwing the ball around? started looking really good, was able to run with it, do a few things with his legs that we hadn't seen on a consistent basis, and help propel that team, which wasn't a great team, but it was a team that just believed in one another. And without Jamal Williams, as you remember, kind of the personality of that offense, 
can Jared Goff do it again and elevate the Lions to the hype, to the level of the hype coming into the season? Is that the number one when it comes to the most to prove? Is that the number one quarterback that you would look at, or would there be somebody else, and why? 877-867-1670. I want to get your opinion on this when we come back, so stay tuned. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. May I take your order? I'd like nine windows, please. Of course. All our products are custom made just for you. I'm hoping they'll match my home. Of course they can. Have it your way. Excuse me? We're talking about windows, right? Yes, we customize any decor. Our design options are virtually limitless. Even more customized than your coffee. So, you're like my personal barista for windows and doors. Exactly. And you couldn't have picked a better time because if you customize your order by August 31st, you can bundle and save big. Good deal. That was easy. Thank you. Drive through. Pella's premium wood windows and patio doors feature distinguished craftsmanship and nearly endless possibilities. Bundle and save when you customize your order by August 31st at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com. Continuously operating track in the world is right here in our own backyard, and it's Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Season passes are still on sale. You can continue on throughout the rest of the summer. GreatLakesDragaway.com is where you find them. GreatLakesDragaway.com, not to mention all, all of the events coming up, including spectacular Fourth of July event and stuff coming up this weekend as well. Again, uh, whether it's a season passes or you just want to go down and have the need for speed and you want to run your own vehicle, whatever it happens to be, that's uh, Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Big supporter of the Fisher House and the motorcycle ride. Again, Great Lakes Dragaway, Union Grove, Wisconsin, 262-302-2138, 262-302-2138. There you have it. Um, the quarterback in the NFC North with the most to prove coming into the season was a question that was posed this morning. And uh, I kind of looked at this like, eh, I want to see. I want to see. I, I, I think it's Jared Goff. And I say that. I say that because Goff has to live up to the hype. Goff has to, you know, because this team has picked to win the division. I want to see if he can repeat or at least come close to the numbers he put up last year, which were really solid. I would probably take it as Fields maybe being number two, you know, something in that realm, maybe. But I still think if Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is, they spent a lot of money on that guy, guaranteed a lot of money for that guy. He's given them one postseason win. Now, granted, last year he threw a couple of picks, but it was a defense ultimately couldn't contain Daniel Jones and company. And uh, the New York Giants walk away with a victory. But 
I still think Kirk Cousins you could throw into that mix. I think the whole Jordan Love thing, I don't think other than to the Packers fan, I don't, I don't think he has much to prove. I, I think he just has to show that he can be a serviceable, better-than-average NFL quarterback. Yeah, that's a lot to prove. I understand that. But I don't think, other than the desire for Packers fans and the tradition for the Green Bay Packers to be in the postseason, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I go that far as to say he's got that to prove. But but I, I, I can't argue. I mean, continue the, the success that the Green Bay Packers have had for such a long period of time. You would certainly think that there's a lot of pressure on him to kind of sustain that. But then again, yesterday when I talked about the quarterbacks with the most pressure coming into the season, I didn't have um, any of the quarterbacks, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, listed higher than Jordan Love. So, I mean, I guess on one hand, I'm looking at Jared Goff in, in the division because of the provability standpoint. But when it comes to the pressure, I said it was Jordan Love because he's got to you know, take over for not one but two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But Jared Goff... That team is being picked to win the division by many. I picked the Vikings with the Detroit Lions being a close second and probably making it into the postseason. But I also think that there's people that expect the Lions to be the Lions, right? That all they're going to be there, they're a nice story, but then they're going to revert back to being the Lions and they're not going to end up being there by the time it's all said and done. They're just going to be a thorn in a couple of people's sides that are going to prevent them from going to the postseason like they did with the Packers last year. Simon says, uh, I think it's Jordan Love who has the most to prove. Uh, following two great quarterbacks is a very difficult task. Usually the guy following the guy doesn't make it, but he's following the guy after the guy following the guy. Uh, I that That's bizarre <laughs> to read, but okay, I get what you're saying. He also says, uh, have you watched any of the footage from Century World? What a beautiful course. I have it on here in the studio. I do. Uh, the 43rd U.S. Senior Open, yes. By the way, Pampling right now on top, uh, Jimenez at two under second, and then a whole host of people right now at one under, but yes. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was Jerry Kelly who I just saw shank one. He shank a potamus one, uh, hooked it left, and he's in the thick stuff right now. But the aerial view of Century World and the floral display, oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. And the nice thing is, right now, no smoke. The sun is shining and no smoke. It doesn't look like it's foggy or hazy or anything like that at all. At all. So it's it's beautiful. The footage right now is beautiful. And they're playing in the pines and the trees. And what, what an incredible course. I've never played there. But what an incredible course. Evo, you ever played uh, Century World by any chance? No, I have not, Bill. I'm not that well adversed in the golf game for that. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if you tug along with uh, maybe one young Ben Kenny before he got out of town. I don't know if he made it up there or not, but yeah, I've never played there. I drove past it when I was up in Wausau uh, a couple weeks ago, and it looks great. But all you could see was the corporate, corporate hospitality tents and a few holes from the highway, which looked raised and beautiful. But yeah, I, it's a gorgeous course. And I'm just enjoying. Now, are you like Ben? Are you watching the U.S. Uh, 43rd U.S. Senior Open right now? Is it on in studio, or is it very Ebo esque? And you got a maybe a drinking game and porn. <laughs> no <laughs> drinking and no porn. I do actually have golf on. Uh, I'm prepping though because I'm on vacation all next week, so I'm prepping um, 
uh, stuff for us on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, got gotcha. you on, Bill. You know, I'm I'm manning it here in the studio. All kinds of stuff. I'm like yeah. an octopus. A lot of okay, arms. Just lot checking. Of arms. Yep. Yep. So uh, let me ask you this: uh, When does our buddy and new producer and uh, famed mustache begin? One Grant Bills. <laughs> Uh, I do believe that would be Wednesday when we come back. Next Wednesday when we all come back. And I, I only get him for a couple of days. I yeah, get then you're Wednesday off. Thursday and I'm gone. Yeah, and I'm gone for, I think, 10 days. So, yeah. Good Grant. He's got Bills a big move. Big move happening with, with Grant. Yeah, he, uh, he, yeah, he's moving to Madison. So uh, we're, we're excited for that. And he's, he's closer to his girlfriend who lives in the Milwaukee area. So he's instead of being a couple of hours and a half away, he's only about an hour away. From uh, from seeing his girlfriend, so a big move for Grant, and he's still doing he's still doing his faithful stuff uh, on the network, his show. But he uh, he wanted the keys of the car, so we gave it to him. So Grant Bills coming to town next week, next Wednesday. So um, if you want to chime in, go ahead and give us a shout. If you want to chime in on the topic of uh, uh, of who do you feel has the most pressure, most to prove, if you will, in the NFC North coming into this season, and we'd love to hear from you. Eight seven seven eight six seven. 1670. You've got another hour yet to go, so hang in there. Stick around as uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this coming up. I uh, want to also let you know about our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers. As they say, they want to rock your world. They're in West Bend, Wisconsin, and uh, that's where you can find them. Andy Kane does a great job, great podcast called the Buy Like a Guy podcast, and you can find them at Kane, K O E H N, KaneJewelry.com. At the bottom of the page, click on it. And they do everything from whiskey and bourbon tastings, guy stuff, into jewelry. Uh, and they do talk about engagement rings and wedding rings and anniversary rings and things for the special someone, things for the sister, things for the mom, whatever. You know, gifts for your buddies, uh, for, uh, you know, your, your your groomsmen. So all that kind of good stuff. That's our friends Kane and Kane Jewelers. They want to rock your world in West Bend, Wisconsin. It is worth the drive. Another hour yet to go. We'll be back right after this.